0: Coming up on this episode of Back of My Play, we are racing around the world as we remember and revisit Burnout 3 Takedown on the Xbox and PlayStation 2. Just a quick heads up and an apology that I was rather tired for this episode. That's what happens when we record late at night. I apologize, but I thought it was a fantastic episode. You guys are going to love it. And don't worry, we are going to absolutely do a Burnout Paradise episode down the road. But in the meantime, let's have some fun talking about Burnout 3 Takedown. Oh, and before I forget, we're actually going to be doing a pseudo game club for Back in My Play. We're trying this out with 3 Heroes, where Peter Brown and I are going to play through about half the game along with the Back in My Play Patreons. So we're going to be doing somewhat of a prequel episode with some early impressions for the Patreons, and then we will do a full episode for the whole audience Once we're done playing through the game So if you want to participate You got to become a patron at patreon.com Slash back my play Plus you get a bunch of extra content Exclusive segments And don't forget you get to support the production of back my play So I greatly appreciate it Thank you so much Now let's get to the show Welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and I got together two fantastic people to talk about the best racing game of all time, Burnout Paradise on the PlayStation 3, and the Xbox 360. We got wait, CJ. Wait, no, uh, no I, that's not what I came on to talk about. What? No. I'm reading, I'm reading the show outline right now, and that's <laughs> that not, is that not, is not what's on here. Oh, I thought we were talking about no. the best racing game of the, the the previous generation. We're not doing that today? No, if you do you do not you do not have
1: Forza Horizon on here at all.
0: <laughs> you're right. It is now Xbox One X enhanced. I do not have that. Uh but mm. you're right. It looks like I misread the outline. It does say Burnout Three takedown for the Microsoft Xbox and the Sony PlayStation two consoles. And to introduce my guests correctly, we got CJ Chris Johnston of the Hello. Player One podcast. How are you doing, CJ? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again, Kevin and in adult
2: swim games you guys are putting out lots of video games these days it's true but no racing
0: games uh because the best one has already been released it's called burnout 3 takedown <laughs> okay we'll we'll see what happens when it comes to that discussion <laughs> and then of course we got the we had to go to the top we had to get the the racing game expert the guy that was always called upon to review every racing game no matter where he was even if it was Uh, through a third party that's greg seward of uh, player one podcast and also does some game development stuff and streams uh i i thought you were gonna say that john
1: davison wasn't available
0: i you know i (laughs) thought i i thought it would be really fun to get john davison on the show because i mean part of what spurred this a little bit and the whole paradise thing and the playstation 3 stuff i've been doing has been going back and listening to old what up yours episodes and um Man, he was a fan of that game. It would have been cool to get him on here. But uh, I am very happy to have you two guys on the show. It's going to be a really good discussion. I think so. Thanks. Yeah, me too. So here's the rundown real quick. We're just going to do a a brief intro. So uh, obviously, we did last week... An episode on the PlayStation 3. That series will continue, but we're going to still put in some other episodes that are game-specific. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. And maybe we'll actually end up doing a Burnout Paradise episode. If the pieces fall into place for the guests that I'm looking for for that, that could be really fun as a companion to this one. Um, But aside from that, just a quick reminder that it is always fantastic to get support for the show as we've been doing uh, episodes regularly. Again, Patreon support is crucial to the life of this show, so I really appreciate everyone going to Patreon.com/slash BackMyPlay to support the show at a per dollar amount per episode, and you can get exclusive segments and you can help support the show going forward. Uh, aside from that, just to give you a lineup of future episodes, especially since you two guys are going to be on one of the upcoming ones. Now that we have this kind of new generation of hardware to talk about in terms of retro games, since <laughs> the Xbox is 15 years old and uh, the PlayStation 3 is. Uh, 14 years, no, not 15, sorry, 13 years old and 12 years old, respectively, for the PlayStation 3. Uh, we're also going to do Crackdown because that got a nice, awesome update that is Xbox One Enhanced, Xbox One X Enhanced. Man, this stuff's so hard to say, hmm. but we're going to be doing that too because it was really funny. I mentioned it a bunch of times on the show, but I used to listen to you, Bozo, as well as looking for those agility orbs. I would just be searching <laughs> all over the place so I could, you know, jump higher and blow stuff up. Even more, so it's going to be you two guys, myself, and of course Phil Theopold, who literally bought an Xbox One theoretically to play Crackdown on backwards compatibility. Oh, seemingly so there's nothing theoretical about okay. it. Yeah, I don't know why he. Yeah. I wish he sprung for the X though, because we're getting great comparison videos of what this game looks like on an X, and it is. And CJ, you, you posted a picture of it. It's like it's really insane what they're able to do with that thing. So. Yeah, it'll be fun to play through it uh, again. We'll be having that in a in a couple weeks. So, uh, the last thing I want to mention this is a really important news tip that I've mentioned it before on this show and I probably on Player One podcast as well. That I, uh, I'm always bummed when Nintendo doesn't release the soundtracks for their games because they have fantastic music in a lot of their their library, especially some of the most recent games. But Breath of the Wild is not getting just a single CD release, not a two CD release, not a three, four, but a Five disc set with a, which is amazing. Go ahead. <laughs> That's to me is is amazing
1: because I don't mean don't make that you know, joke that everyone's is, made on
0: Twitter. It's like, is it going to be no, three discs? I mean, of just
1: nothing. Is it going to be like? <laughs> well, it's true. Doesn't have any I music. mean, and I, I loved that game, but it doesn't have it any. Does music. have
0: music? It 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 yeah, does no, five discs. Totally, earth? it does. It totally does. Yeah, if you okay. actually like, you, you, they have many different versions of the melodies throughout the game, and there is uh I forget what company. Yeah. It's not JVC. It's like one of the. It's one of the companies that still puts out discs in Japan that has a website where you can preview the tracks on a bunch of the discs. And you're like, oh, yeah, that that was totally a song that was in the game. And you only heard it this one time in this one spot if you did this one side quest. And I love this song. And it's so awesome that they're just going all out. And they're even doing a special edition that literally comes with what they call a play button with all the songs. Like, it's basically like a mini. It's like a. I guess you could almost call it like an iPod Nano where it would have all the songs on that little thing and you can just plug in headphones to it and carry the whole soundtrack with you on this thing that's like the size of, you know. You mean you mean that thing you can do
1: with like 12 devices you own right now? I know,
0: but you could have a device <laughs> dedicated to the Breath of the Wild 5-disc soundtrack. I just think that's so dumb and <laughs> and awesome. So... It It is. is so dumb, yeah. It's it's only $70, so of course I bought it. (laughs) Jesus.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Well, the amazing thing is, yeah, it's only $70. I feel like I haven't even left our show. (laughs) It's $70, but then again, um, I'm used to Japanese soundtracks being way more expensive. Right. And you're getting a five-disc soundtrack. I think I paid about the same amount for like a Final Fantasy IX soundtrack uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So
0: this this is a good value. It is, it is it is, a great value, and I'm looking forward to having this set come. It's coming out in April, I believe, or in April and May, so it will be coming out relatively soon. And uh, just that first printing will be that special edition. If you don't want to pay $70, they have the regular five disc set for about 50 bucks, a little bit less than that, but you're going to pay some shipping from Amazon Japan. So I just thought that was worth noting. Go and pick it up if you haven't already. But
2: Ready I have pre-ordered the, it.
0: I pre-ordered the good. non-special edition version. I ordered. I pre-ordered one of each, just to be sure. I wasn't sure which one I wanted, <laughs> but I'll probably cancel one at some point. But yeah, it's it's good to just have those things locked in. And don't forget, Amazon Japan always a great resource for importing games and especially video game soundtracks. You would probably, you think would probably not even exist, but they totally do. Uh, so let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Then we'll be right back with. The Rather Fascinating History of Burnout 3 Takedown. So let's talk a little bit about the history of Burnout 3 Takedown. So the quick hits, the release date was on September 8th, 2004, just a couple days later in Europe, September 10th, 2004. Of course, it came out on the original Xbox, and on the PlayStation 2, it was developed by Criterion and published by EA Games, and that's going to become very interesting in a moment. So I didn't know about any of this history, guys, because I wasn't really following Criterion. I wasn't really into the Burnout series, and we got to remember, this is 2004. Not all of us were on NeoGAF or something like that, or you know, constantly listening to podcasts where we're... Uh, constantly digest- digesting this video game news. So here's the breakdown Criterion Studios suffered several setbacks during the sequence of events that led up to the creation of Burnout 3, including the cancellation of a project, a failed pitch, and a fallout with the game's eventual publisher, Electronic Arts. So follow along with me. Hmm. So Criterion began talks with EA, who had a proposal for Criterion to create a remake of the 1988 skateboarding video game Skate or Die. That would real. have been amazing. Um, <laughs> well, I they feel also, like,
1: i feel like that might have been the genesis of the skate series. Mm. But keep going.
0: Yep. Uh, potentially, or also side note. They also did trick style on the Dreamcast, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, Criterion, Criterion did. Yes, they did yeah. for a claim. Uh, So, fun fact. Um, Criterion uh, were keen to work with EA and started development on the project following Burnout uh, Two's release. Criterion prepared a pitch to EA Canada about working on a second game with a publisher. Criterion's proposal uh, – excuse me, proposed title was for Need for Speed colon Split Second, a stunt racing game within EA's Need for Speed series, <laughs> which is very weird that they would want to make a Need for Speed game and also kind of weird because we eventually got a game called Split Sc- Second, which is quite awesome. Um, meanwhile, the Skid or Die remake project was thrown into disarray when EA requested changes to the game's design and the creative direction of the project shifted away from Criterion's vision – with the development staff becoming unhappy and stressed out about the project, the studio decided to contact EA and cancel the game. EA was displeased with the decision, with their decision, and the relationship between the two companies soured, leading to the disillusion of the proposed need for speed game. All right. Hmm. So right now, we're talking about uh, roughly uh, 2002. Now, at the 2003 Electronic Game uh, E3, uh, Criterion Games Director of Design, Alex, Alex Ward, Uh, who's, I believe, still at their new uh, reboot of their company, uh, was approached by Bruce McMillan, Executive Vice President at EA Worldwide Studios. McMillan wanted to uh, reconcile EA's relationship with Criterion and partner with them on a game. Initially, Ward refused, citing their past experience of working with the publisher. However, EA persisted and suggested Criterion make Burnout 3 with them. Originally, the studio was waiting until the next generation of video game hardware launched before starting work on a third installment. Criterion accepted the deal on the conditions that EA would not interfere with the game's development and that Criterion had the freedom to create the game they wanted. And eventually, they made Burnout 3 takedown, which showed off to, again, uh, I think CJ, you tweeted out uh, a video from E3 just right before it came out where it just you know constantly was looking amazing and eventually came out with a 94 Metacritic on Xbox and a 93 Metacritic on the PlayStation 2. That's right. So it was uh, that,
2: that video that I tweeted out was an interview with Alex Ward from E3 2004. Um, and Lauren Fielder was uh, the correspondent for GameSpot.
0: I thought this was really interesting. Just again, the relationship with EA that they would actually, I, I wouldn't figure that they would want to do a Need for Speed game. But then a couple years later, after Burnout Paradise, they ended up making a Need for Speed game. Right so go figure <laughs> uh they actually they ended up doing two they did Most Wanted and Heart Pursuit right uh did they develop both those I believe so I believe yeah, they I believe did. so I'm gonna stick yeah. with that um Sure, why not? (laughs) Yeah, again, really interesting history, but that's really not what you guys are here for. You're here to get back in the time machine, and thankfully, we don't need to fuel it up too, too much because we're just going back to 2004 for the release of Burnout 3 Takedown. So stick around. Here's some more of the music that you probably heard way too much while playing Burnout 3 Takedown back in the day. We made it all the way back to 2004. And for myself, 2005, we'll get to that in a second. And I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this because I really don't know your history with this game. All I know is, again, from back in the day, you guys complaining about Burnout Paradise, mm-hmm. uh, and even to last week, complaining about Burnout par- <laughs> about Burnout Paradise and uh, you know, voicing your opinion that Takedown is a superior game. So, Greg, was... Uh, was this on your radar? Were you a fan of Burnout Two? When did you first hear about Takedown, and, and when did you pick it up? What'd you think about it?
1: Yeah, oh, I was a huge fan. Um, I followed this games uh, as soon as I knew that it existed, which was before it was released. Um, probably that E three, uh, I, f- I followed it and couldn't wait to play it. I, so, I was where a Burnout were fan. you at
0: the time? Where were you at the time in two thousand and four?
1: Were you in the industry still? 2004 was my first year in game development. I was at vicious cycle down in North Carolina.
0: Oh no way! Okay,
1: yeah. So uh, yeah, and no, I I had um because the first two burnouts came out while I was working at EGM, and I was uh, the reviews editor there at the time. Um, I had not, I didn't, I didn't review the first one. I think I might have reviewed the second one, but I remember the guys who did review the original burnout for acclaim. So the first two games came out from a, by acclaim, um, being really impressed by it. It's just, it's just such a cool concept and the deformed like the 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 crashing with the cars was was amazing so really so i got into burnout got into burnout too was really really excited but i mean acclaim was struggling and if you look at those original two games they're pretty light like production value wise it just feels like there's not a whole lot of money there kind of bare um, too in
0: terms of features
1: yeah and it was just like ea was really on fire at this at this point in history mm-hmm. and um I was really excited. As soon as I learned that, that Burnout 3 was coming out via EA, my first thought was, "All right, like they get to make, they get to take this great concept and get a real budget behind it. This mm-hmm. is going to be awesome." And that's exactly what it was. When Takedown came out, it was just like, "This is this is what I've loved so far but on steroids." <laughs> it's just got so much money behind it and you know, like the licensed music which was a thing at the time and and yeah, just loved it. But I was, I was on top of it day one. CJ, where were you in 2004? I was
2: working at New Type USA in uh, Houston, Texas. So I
0: was no sort way. of out of uh, reviewing video games as well. This is so cool because now I get to learn about your guys' history like in the early aughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had actually taken a pretty big break
2: from video games from the time that I left EGM in April uh to around the time Takedown came out. I hadn't really bought anything, hadn't really like gotten uh into anything new until around this time.
0: Were you just burnt out? Were you just like, I just don't even want to touch games right now?
2: Yeah, I think that's what it was. And it was just uh I I was into anime. I was uh at a new job and uh wanted to immerse myself in in that culture instead. So when did Burnout 3, takedown, and catch your eye. At launch. And I think I blame Seward for this because...
1: <laughs> I was going to say, Susie <laughs> and I were still in pretty close contact during those years. I was doing some freelancing yeah. for him at that time. But um, yeah, we were definitely still hanging out a lot uh, online. Yep. Um, so I would have, I definitely would have been screaming about yeah, this game. Well,
2: here's the thing. You know, back in the EGM days, we played a lot of Speed Devils online on the Dreamcast, Mm -hmm. which was an amazing game. Right. uh, That has not been brought back, sadly. And no one really cares about Speed Devils except for me and (laughs) Seward. Ubisoft has forgotten they even have that license, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. We played the heck out of that game, and then when Seward said, "Hey, there's this Burnout Three Takedown game that's got online play, and it looks super awesome. Let's do that." I was full force into it, uh, bought it, yeah. and uh, I think I'd watched some previews of it, and then uh, then bought it, and we played that. We played the hell
0: out of it online. It had incredible online support, and uh, unfortunately, that was. Not something I was capable of of doing. I was on Xbox Live. And it, we got to remember, like, this is still where we're Xbox Live, we're a couple of years into it, two years into it, three years into yeah. it. And uh, Xbox Live was just a huge leap from, of course, SegaNet, and by far better than what Sony was even capable of doing, even oh, yeah. if you had the broadband adapter for the, the PlayStation 2, because there actually was some structure. There was an infrastructure there for for Xbox lives, there was a a unified friends list. You had, um, just, you know, it was like a completely different, a completely different world. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was not able to play online. Um, I think the statute of limitations has lifted on this so I can talk about it. I was not able to play online because, um, when I started getting interested in burnout, uh, I believe I was seeing some uh, coverage on IGN and uh, one up at the time, and this would have been 2005. I didn't play it at launch. Hmm. Um, I, I was not necessarily racing games. Did not they were not at the top of my list because I was in college, and this is a freshman year of college. And everybody knows that you don't play racing. Well, games that's in college. definitely <laughs> true. No, but when you you have to you have to spend your money on games that have incredible uh, replay value. Great term. Got to have replay value. value. And and top tier fun fact that's and and multiplayer games like you wanted stuff that you could play with your buddies at college. So my money was going into games like MVP Baseball two thousand and five, fair. Which is for better or worse. uh, Why some of these songs are so stuck in my head is because EA tracks. Like, these songs that you hear in Burnout 3 Takedown are not unique to Burnout 3 Takedown. They were used heavily in MVP Baseball 2005. Huh. So if you were coming off of that, you basically like, are you kidding? I'm hearing the same songs across multiple games. Like, this is a racing game. It's not a baseball game. You think you would have some different songs, but it would be the same songs that would cycle through as you're going through your menus and going in through your franchise and all that stuff. But... Dracula. Dragula. No, Dragula was not included, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I did have a copy of Jet Set Radio Future um, <laughs> with Sega GT 2002. Hmm. So uh, I want to, again, state that this is not a thing that you should do. You shouldn't do it today. You shouldn't do it back in 2004. But because I was a college student and I could not afford a lot of games, I went down the, mo- uh, the route of modding my Xbox. So- ho, ho, ho. You pirate. <laughs> oh, I right, Calm down. Get Chill him an iPad. T- 10 years ago, right? So I think satchel limitations is like 10 years. Uh, I think I'll be okay. More than 10 years. So I ended up going down that route. I got an Executioner 3 solderless mod chips, something that I thought would be impossible to screw up. And then you screwed it up. Screwed it up. <laughs> um, I, I fried my Xbox oh. um, and then had to... Somewhat beg my dad to borrow money to buy a second Xbox, which is how I got my copy of Jessup Radio Future wow. and Sega GT 2002 It was a pack-in. Yep. Um so I got a a new Xbox and then I attempted the mod chip install again. <laughs> I then broke the antenna off. There's like this on the executioner three there was maybe like eight solder points that would connect with the board and then you would screw it in so those solder points would stay connected, but you don't have to actually solder anything. It's just going on top of these connections. But then there would be this like little antenna that then you you then had to like prod into a spot on the board. So I then had to wait to get a new executioner chip from the, I think it was like xboxmodchips.com or something like as literal as that. Huh. Um but that is how I, I literally went down this route because I'm like, all right, I want to play this game. I want to play mercenaries. Like, there's all these games that I want to play, and there was a guy in my dorm room building, like in the same building, we had this uh, this file share system called. Uh, I think it was DC++. So it was like peer-to-peer, and the speeds were like lightning quick because we're all on LAN. And he had – like you could just share all of your folders on your computer. You could specify specific folders. And this guy had just folders and folders of Xbox games, just like Xbox games that you could just download immediately, burn to a DVD, and be good to go. So that's how I ended up playing Burnout 3 Takedown, but also – I didn't realize how long the load times were because I installed mine to the hard drive uh, of my Xbox that I upgraded to like a 40 gig model or something Mm. like that. So I apologize to Criterion. I apologize to Electronic Arts, but I am now next to three copies of Burnout 3 Takedown because that's how many copies it took to find one that was not scratched (laughs) to shit in 2018 uh, because people don't take very good care of their games in America. So... Uh, This is why I wanted to pick up this game. I wanted to pick up this game specifically because of the videos that I saw on IGN.com because they showed videos of the crash mode. They showed this thing that was unique to any racing game that showed more depth and it showed just like incredible graphics. I loved like... It, the Matrix was still kind of hot at the time, so I loved the slowdown mechanic. I loved the uh, you know slowing down after a crash, like figuring out like how to like line everything up for great explosions. And then it was also the aftertouch. It was the takedown. It was the idea that even if you did crash, you could hold down A and you could like angle your car and try to take someone yeah, else the out. The aftertouch was yeah, it was great.
1: It was a huge addition to the game, and it adds so yep. much.
0: Well, and I, I don't want to get too deep into this right now, but I I bet that's one of the reasons why you guys don't love Paradise as much because that was removed. That's one of the problems. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. All right, all right. We'll we're get not, there. We're going to we'll keep this there. positive. We're going to keep this positive. Um. So, you know, it was the crash mode. It was the aftertouch. It was like the takedowns. It was like these just... It was... And I hate to use this word. I think it was so overused, but we're going to use it this segment and next segment. It was how visceral everything was. It was mm. like like the slamming into the cars and having the cars flip out and slam into a building that was next to it it was the sound in the in the look of the like boost multiplier slamming and stacking on top of each other like crucial little touches that make that game just feel so cool compared to everything else that i played in terms of racing games like no no racing games really stood out to me before that, like this is the first racing game that I ever really fell in love with. Uh, hmm. Maybe except for Rad Racer. Rad Racer was pretty good. Rad Racer Two. You uh, you I mean. weren't a Ridge Racer person? No, I, I mean no, nope. I wasn't a Ridge Racer person. I thought Need for Speed games like they generally ran pretty poorly, and that was not the best period of Need for Speed games at True. the time. I think not until really Need for Speed, the first Most Wanted, came out in 2005, like when it was a split Xbox and 360 title. Um, That's when I started to really get into Need for Speed games. But I would be much more of an arcade racing fan. I was a fan of games like um, uh, Tokyo Street Racer. Sure. um, You know, Project Gotham uh, on the the Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the good stuff. Our, excuse me, Metropolis Metropolis Street Ra- Street Racer. I'm having problems talking tonight, unfortunately. Um, but those are the games that I loved. I didn't like Sim stuff that much. Like I borrowed a friend's copy of Gran Turismo 2 and Gran Turismo 3 on the PS2, but those were not very good. But also, I had access to every single video game, and even though I had access to everything, every single video game in the Xbox library, like I played this game nonstop is is so good. Just such great progression in this game how it's constantly doling out new stuff for you. Like every single race they're just like nah, 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 nah. And just like here's a new car. Here's another new car. Here's a new yep. series. Here's a new area. Here's a new track. And they're just yep. like constantly trying to feed you like a little bit more to 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 keep going. So I'm guessing that's probably what stood out to you guys as well because like it it was just so different than any other type of racing game that was out at the time.
1: <clears throat> yeah yeah it was i mean you you're absolutely right it's uh i mean I, the drip feeding i looking back on it now i i i would say yeah that's that was probably something that also helped i mean, we were sort of right on the cusp of that sort of thing happening like you had you had call of duty going on as well where you get into the multiplayer and you know like here's a million different progress bars, really, I don't know what all of them are, but here's you know everything is updating regularly and you just always sort of get that feeling of making progress which I've co- talked about on player mm-hmm. 1 for years and and yeah I mean burnout 3 takedown had that in spades you know like like you I was playing it when I played it last week or this week for the, for the show um I was actually streaming it and, and if you watch that uh, stream you can see like I talked about how every time you come out of a race the map's just riddled with things yep. to do, and, there's always hi- and it's always highlighting the next new thing, right? Like, you, you don't even have to... You, you literally one button press away from doing something new in the game.
0: Well, it's like an arcade racer as well. When you finish, uh, you finish uh, a round or you finish a race or like a crash mode or road rage, and then it's just stacking up scores. It's stacking up all your takedowns, and then you're unlocking a car. Then it's stacking up your overall score, and then it's probably unlocking something else for you, So it's just mm-hmm. like, I think that arcadey aspect to it, because I mean, before this, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys were seeing all these games that are coming out because you're reviewing them, you're seeing them at the magazine. But like between that period, like when Gran Turismo got really big, it felt like a lot of the other game developers for race games were just getting so deep into making realistic games. They thought that's what everyone wanted in the race. Like the arcade racer kind of disappeared aside from like Ridge racer and uh, wipeout.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think everyone was chasing that Gran Turismo thing and making Sims. And, um, to me, I didn't like Sims. So, so games right. like speed devils or uh, burnout. Um, those were really, really appealing to me, whereas, yeah, the market was not as interested in those. And even the first Burnout and Burnout 2, I didn't think they, like there was any real interest in those games. Uh, I Well, they're from they Acclaim. Were from, yeah, they were help. from Acclaim. And Acclaim was too busy uh, Hawk and Turok to uh, really
0: put attention on Burnout. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think again. I, the last racer I remember absolutely loving was probably Tokyo Extreme Racer on on the Dreamcast. It was like it was that and Metropolis Street Racer. Yeah. Those are the two games that I actually really got into. And then when it came to the Xbox and the PlayStation Two, like nothing really stood out to me because again, like I I would only have like two or three games at a time because I was trading everything in. I had no money. Like all the money like I had was kind of going towards like you know getting ready to go to college like yeah. i had to pay for that stuff so do you guys remember back then what you thought of dj striker i thought it was great i thought presentation like
2: that uh really added a lot to the game right because he was announcing uh everything <laughs> like telling you like
0: about what all, was going on in the course, all the new stuff and even though it was and generic. yeah
1: even during the course like Talking to you, yeah, he'd he'd fire out tips about you know sort of certain sections of the course. I I loved it because um, we weren't that far removed from Grand Theft Auto Three, and that was one of the things that that Rockstar did so perfectly with Grand Theft Auto Three was the radio stations, not only with the licensed music, but by throwing in the DJs, they added a little bit of comedy to the whole thing. Um, But they made the world feel more robust because they were talking about places you could go to or places you'd been and, and, you know, they were really, and they were giving you updates on the world, like, you know, when the bridge opened and that sort of thing, uh, to get off the, the first part of the game. And, and I loved that. Like, I remember that feeling, feeling that that was so impactful. Um, so when I saw companies that were already using licensed music in all their games anyway, like Electronic mm-hmm. Arts going for the radio announcer route it's like ah okay this is this is cool like this is really you know i mean you can look back at it now and maybe think ah oh, maybe he was kind of lame i don't know but um i loved it i thought it was a great idea it was a, it was a great way to take the licensed music route but make it feel a little less cynical mm. whereas just like you know Oh, it's a radio station. All right, sure. I mean, <clears throat> uh, Turn Ten's been doing it for years. Or sorry, Playground Games has been doing it right. again for years with uh, the Forza Horizon series. Sure. They do it great. The
2: only jar- real jarring thing was that in the middle of a race, when he gave you a tip, it would like stop the music, or there would be almost like a record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. come in with some tip. It's like they hadn't quite learned to just you know duck the music while <laughs> while he's talking or something no. like that.
0: Yeah, Greg, you're right. Um, Forza Horizon, especially Forza Horizon Three, does a really great job with like the tour promoter talking to you throughout and like recommending things that you can do. Um, I got to really get back to that game. Oh yeah, but you do. I, I I think it's also worth mentioning. It sounds like the three of us are all talking about and we experienced the original Xbox version, but it also came out in the PlayStation 2 and you have my my roommate had a PlayStation 2. I had an Xbox, he had a PlayStation 2, uh, like that's the same roommate that I talked about last week who played the original, or two weeks ago, talking about playing the original Half-Life on a PlayStation <laughs> 2 uh, because it's, it's no surprise, PS2 is a little bit uh, lacking in the first-person shooter department, aside from Red Faction, but... He ended up picking up the, the game on PlayStation 2 because I didn't necessarily – my excuse was I, don't, I didn't want people using my stuff. And also, it was a modded Xbox, so I didn't want him to like break the system or anything like that because I already invested lots of money in getting mod chips and yeah. I was not, not eating very well after that for a couple of weeks. But um, he ended up picking up the game, and we need to absolutely note just the magicians at Criterion. They were able to get the game, and that was the version that was actually put on that that GameSpot video that CJ mentioned. Mm-hmm. They are showing off the PS2 version, and it's incredible. Looking. It really like, is. It just looks, oh yeah, you know, it looks fantastic. And then, not too long after this, like literally the year later, they brought out Black. Mm-hmm. Yep, which is arguably the best looking game on the PlayStation Two. Yeah. I I don't think that game
2: game doesn't hold up nearly as well as as Takedown does.
0: No, it does Mm. not. But it it looked really cool, and things went boom. True. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. We'll look back on Burnout 3 Takedown when we return. Inspiring,
2: shining, (laughs) rising, and when you're in my way, I'm not dividing.
0: All the way back to 2018, and hopefully, we booted up our Xboxes. They worked. We probably used something like a component to HDMI adapter, those work really well. We'll probably get into that in a second. Freemaster. Uh, or you could use a $400 upscaler, um, or you know, a $20 component to HDMI adapter. Um, but it sounds like Greg, you went through lots of effort to make sure you had the optimal experience to play <clears throat> Burnout 3 Takedown. What was your experience yeah. like? Does it hold up, man? Oh my God, does it hold up? It's, it's, it's pure
1: joy. Like I said, if you, uh, if you were to watch that Twitch stream that I did the other night, I'm just, I'm smiling the whole time. Like I, I was actually commenting on how stupid I must look that I just had a big goofy grin on my face the whole time because it just, there's, there's something about that game. I mean, it, mm. it's funny because if you go back to older racing games, even games that you remember controlling really great, um, you realize how advanced, uh, the, sort of the physics and controls and racing games have become over the past decade or two. In that, it's like, wow, this doesn't really feel as good as I remember it feeling. But <clears throat> Takedown does, and and it's just this wonderful uh mixture of like you're saying, just a lot going on. Um, the audiovisual, uh, the AV of it, just sort of bombards you the whole time. Like you're just, you know, the speed is ridiculous. The audio is crazy, especially like you said, every time you. Get a takedown and your your um your your meter builds up and it just overwhelms everything about the game. But it's so cool, and uh, you're just constantly being rewarded. And also, one of the things which again, when we get it, if we start talking about paradise, this is something that I'll probably talk about a lot. But for a game that's about crashing and driving in oncoming traffic and all that sort of thing, it's really really forgiving when you screw up. True, um, you really have to nail. You have to hit a car head-on. You have to nail the wall to crash. Uh, you can slide around corners riding the wall if Thank you have to, God. and it, it does not penalize <laughs> you for it. And it makes it so much yeah. fun.
0: It's 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 bumper bowling. It's it's bowling with it the really bumpers is. on the
1: sides. <clears throat> yeah, not always though. I, I don't mean, know so if that's
0: necessarily a good, here's, not the,
1: here's the thing about.
2: Takedown, uh, you know, yeah, it is like bumper bowling a lot in terms of like quick turns and things. But they do offer like uh, you know a lot of things to crash into in the middle of a course, right? That you have to weave in and out of. Sure. And if you're unlucky enough to uh, to you know not quite make a turn, then you're gonna you're gonna t-bone on it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason why I love Takedown is exactly because the walls are so slippery, right? <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not uh, that good at uh, at racing games, especially uh, you know ones that require really quick reaction time. So I I really appreciated the fact uh, that uh, that it did that.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a couple of things at you again. I I I, I First, it's really weird playing this on a 65 inch TV when I was playing it on a 20, I think a 20-inch Toshiba CRT when I was in college. Um so playing it on 60 inches, 65 inches is actually like it's almost too big of a TV to play this game on. Um but I think one of the things that that really still stands out is, like, Greg, you were saying, the presentation. It's how they start you, like, you know, with the with the rolling start as you get going. And it's the camera angles, like, as it goes, like, three, two, then it comes right behind the car, one, and then you get going. Um, I mean, those are the things that make it feel so fun. And it makes... I guess more and more as I've grown to appreciate the Fast and Furious franchise, it's it's what those movies do really well too. That gives you that sense of speed, even if you might not be moving that quickly. Um, they make you feel like you're just moving a million miles a second. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And it, it just um, it just comes at you. The whole game just comes at you so fast and frenetically. And I, I I'd forgotten how much I enjoy it. I really did. Um, you think and it holds up visually so and
0: performance
1: wise? Oh sure. Performance wise is great. I'm play I played it on the Xbox. No no complaints there. Um visually, I mean, you know, it looks it looks like an Xbox game. Um, but it was one of the better looking Xbox games for sure.
0: Did you notice this is again, you shouldn't play this. It wasn't built for a sixty five inch TV or to be upscaled to four K or whatever. Um but I think one of the things that stood out to me as like a downside, and this might be nitpicking, was the texture scaling for stuff that was far away. Like that was one of the reasons why it looked so good back then, is because they were able to, you know, do the tricks like we see in present day with games like Doom, that they're able to kind of have different uh, rendering based on where the objects are in in the game. So the things that are really close to you can run super fast and look really great, and the stuff that's far away. Kind of looks like a a mess of like pixels, like you know, uh, like almost like pixel art in a in a sense. But again, that's probably not what they're making the game for back then.
1: Yeah, I'd say you're right. That is nitpicking.
0: <laughs> Did you guys get an urge to uh, buy any Axe body spray after playing for a while? I can't. Oh,
1: <laughs> no, I mean not more than I already mm-hmm. have
0: but i mean i remember this was uh back then it was a big there was a big discussion going on on in-game advertising if that was good if it was bad if it made it a little bit more realistic whether it be a, a vending machine in a game like uh Oddworld or it could be uh i think it was even like didn't uh not siphon fil- siphon filter, so but split yourself.
1: Naive back then. <laughs> yeah, I know, right.
0: But then, then we also had the discussion with Paradise. Like, hey, it's going to be great because they can update these ads so they stay relevant, and it's not like seeing the same ads over and over and over again. But in Burnout 3: Takedown, we got stuck with ads for Axe and Need for Speed Underground 2.
1: Yep, and Tiger Woods. Oh, There's right, giant Tiger Woods billboards on some of those tracks. <laughs> Tiger Woods smiling at us as we're racing by. I mean that added yeah. to the
2: realism though, right? Girl at each arm. Because we have billboards in real life. That Hawk is true. <laughs> we have
0: billboards in real life. It is basically like it is basically like a, a virtual reality game back in two thousand and five. Yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna bring up a couple other things. Like so there's three main territories uh that unlock rather quickly. Like within the first hour, you're gonna get access to USA, Europe, and Far East. Yep. Um and then, along with that, you're going to get kind of these main tracks that are then broken up into a bunch of different tracks, or sometimes you'll go backwards, sometimes you'll only go halfway, or maybe you'll actually split off into a different uh, direction. The game advertises on the back of the box 40 racetracks, 17 game modes, and 67 vehicles. I think it's more like maybe 12 tracks that are varied quite a bit. Um, but it is a quite a diverse lineup of not only tracks but uh especially cars with the cars that you know albeit they're generic they're like uh coupe well, 1 coupe 2 yeah, they had they generic, had to do but that but
1: they're clearly built on real cars.
0: Yeah, well and they they had to do it because again back then remember with Gran Turismo there was no damage on the car models because like car companies were concerned that right. you know we we don't want to you know show that our cars will just crumple up into cans if they hit a wall. Right. Three takedown. All right, so are we getting into my discussion of why I think you guys... Well, so <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I, I played it on uh, an Xbox 360 because it's a backwards compatible game. and Oh, it is? Uh, I have a, a new model Xbox 360 that has HDMI, so I just plugged it into my 55-inch H- Intelliv-
0: television via HDMI. How does it run? It runs really well. Okay, because some games on 360 backwards compatibility had some kind of weird issues with them, so I just oh, want to yeah. check.
2: No, uh, no weird issues on this one, though. This one uh, worked
0: perfectly. Wait, so so what did you think? What Did, did you end up going down? I, th- I think it's really great that sometimes you'll you'll get into something, you'll unlock that first crash mode, then you'll unlock the next crash mode, and you can actually just spend the next like, 15, 20 minutes just playing through all the crash modes until I think someone mentioned on Twitter or on uh, the Discord uh, for the Patreons on, for Back of My Play. So like, basically, the races were just what you had to do to get back to the crash modes and to do those puzzles. I
2: actually didn't feel that way. At all. I liked crash mode, but I liked the racing more. Uh, and part of that may have been because uh, Greg and I were playing online a lot. Race yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I even got a nickname from this game nope. uh, escape, escape Bonus, bonus Johnston. Johnston. Yeah, because I would crash fairly <laughs> easily. Because, like I said, I would slide along the walls on turns uh, most of the time. And uh, then whoever was behind me got an escape bonus as they passed me. Which happened two or three, every three time. times a race every time probably, yeah. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, the, the voice chat I think also really changed everything because when we were playing Speed Devils, we couldn't chat during the race. Obviously, we had to type on a keyboard between races. That was the only way to chat on your Dreamcast keyboard. Yeah,
0: unless we were playing oh, in the yeah. office. It was which, great. Uh, happened every so often. Yeah. But yeah. So you still have some of the main modes. You have your races. You have your uh, road rages. You have basically your, your versus mode, which they call the uh, face-off. You have your uh, crash mode, which we mentioned before. And then you have the Grand Prix uh, the, or the GP mode where you're going to do three races, and they'll stack up all your points. It's kind of like Mario Kart mm-hmm. where you're going to try to get a gold medal at the end. And I will say, like you, CJ – I really didn't mind anything that it threw at me. I kind of just was happy to just go to whatever was unlocking, whether it was a race, whether it was a crash mode. Um, I found the crash modes to be not as good as I remember. Hmm. Like I didn't find them they to were, be that much fun.
1: Yeah, they were um, they were new then, which That's is right. I think why we all have such fond memories of them. I was the same way. I, I thought they were cool, but I never got into them like other people did. I remember people really getting worked up about, um crash mode
0: disappearing yep. eventually I was like you know yeah not so much for me that seemed to be the big complaint of burnout paradise from a lot of people as they took out crash mode like they got they got rid of it but well they didn't ta- they uh, transformed it right cuz you
2: could you could do something similar to it in when you push in the stick, in paradise yeah. but it wasn't nearly as uh, fun or as strategic as it had been in in
0: previous titles Right. So to give people some context, if you haven't played the game before, it would basically set up a scenario, more or less an intersection, where sometimes you would have to get through an intersection, miss the cars, because you want to get to the next intersection. While doing all this, you're picking up bonuses. You're getting like money bonuses. You're getting multipliers and things like that. And then you want to get into the optimal crash position to cause as much destruction and the most expensive crash As possible. So that was kind of the puzzle aspect. It was trying to figure out what's the best route to go through here to make sure that I cause the most destruction so I can get that gold medal. So they'd have tiers like bronze, silver, and gold for all the races and for uh, the crash mode. And that was what was so cool because you'd be like, oh, man, I – I know I can do it. I, I just need to get over here a little bit and I need to make sure when I do my crash breaker, like I have to be right here because that crash breaker is going to give me enough momentum to get into the next lane. And then I'm going to be able to get, you know, the $1 million thing that I need to get the gold medal. Yep. Like that's what was so great about it. But like playing it today, it was kind of, or playing it over the last like week or two, just wasn't grabbing me as much. I was kind of more interested in the races. I My favorite mode still is Road Rage.
2: I just find that to be really fun, yeah. which is just uh, you know you crash as many computer-controlled cars as you can before your car is completely totaled, and uh, yeah, to- completely huge fun in that mode for me because it's such a mix of racing and also crashing other people. I love it.
0: it it's 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 very intense, and again, it just it, it it is some of the I think that I think the takedown component of Burnout is still the best part. Of it because unless I mean we're not going to talk about Paradise but I think the problem we I think should we should but go ahead we, we'll, we will maybe we'll do it for the patrons or something like that or maybe we'll do like a brief a brief thing for for everyone but I think what is I played maybe I played five hours of Takedown over the last week and I probably played maybe ten hours of Paradise <laughs> Um hmm. because because. The, at some point, the races, even the road rage, get rather boring because it becomes the same thing over and over again. It's you against five other people in a race because their races were with six, Where in Take Down, they're eight. Excuse me, in Paradise, they're eight. And you're seeing a lot of the same places over and over again. Sometimes you're going backwards. Sometimes it's a somewhat different route. But I felt like I just kind of eventually got got bored where I – again – with Paradise, I could go to a race. I could go do something else. I could go smash some signs. I could go smash some um, some fences. I could go look for some like secret areas to do big jumps. Yeah,
2: but it was a different. I think it was a different time, right? Because open. You're talking about a completely open world different world versus <laughs> tracks. <laughs> like shit, we just cracked it open. <laughs> of course, you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, like if, that's, if you're mechanic and being able to go anywhere you want and do whatever you want instead of you know the five new events that popped up like
0: yeah and also the verticality like there's no big ass jumps in in takedown like there are very few points where you're like getting air and the vertical takedown is just the best (laughs) well
2: (laughs) i think that's a matter of uh discussion but i you know looking at burnout as a series i thought takedown introduced really interesting mechanics and then it was the first one i played actually and then uh revenge Added in traffic checking, which actually I kind of think ruined, uh, ruined <laughs> the racing a little bit because if you're just crashing into everything and kind of just you know, but
0: chaos. It sure was it fun, was to, fun watch. to watch. Gotta and say, the game was fun was to play, fun to but
2: uh, I I I feel like they really perfected it in Takedown, and uh,
1: then yeah. just started watering it down with other things later. I mean, I guess if if the arg- if your argument is that you prefer open world games. Therefore, Paradise is a better game. Sure, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's not really anywhere to go with that. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't. I don't see retroactively saying Takedown is not as good because it doesn't have vertical take well,
0: well, okay, so I think we're just going to open this <laughs> shit up. So, I this is what confuses me, and again, I I think you guys are just ribbing a little bit and I don't think you guys are as negative as you 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 uh exclaimed on on your show last week and on Twitter throughout the the course of years, but I am confused when you guys seem to be really big fans of Forza Horizon 3. Yes. Which is an open world game. And then you don't like Burnout Paradise. And here's my here's my my thesis, okay?
1: Oh, man. Do I ever have an answer for this? Go ahead.
0: Here's my thesis. So one, Paradise City is very condensed. It's very, very condensed. I mean, at every intersection, you have a new event. And also, um, like you guys both brought up, and I please, I'm going to, I state this, and I mean no offense when I bring this next part up, that it is very congested and you end up crashing quite a bit. And I think part of it might be is that you didn't necessarily learn the city. You didn't kind of learn where everything is because you get rewarded quite a bit for learning the city, getting, you know, knowing where the shortcuts are like that is added depth in the game. And maybe part of it is also just because it's sometimes hard to see the turns.
1: Yes, Okay, so yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think you can really compare, I don't know, liking Forza Horizon should not automatically mean you like uh, any open world racing game. I, I would argue that actually, like, the need for speed open world games have all been awful. Just they test absolutely drive awful. fan: uh, no, I wasn't really, but yeah, the problem the problem is is that in Forza Horizon, uh, you're not crashing every five seconds. Well, that's true. And that was and that was the big problem, and that 's why I pointed out how forgiving takedown was, and you can rewind like, I, to
0: be fair yes
1: well yeah sure, but it's not it's not even that big a deal though like if you if you if you go and you watch and i didn 't get to play any paradise because they don't own the game anymore, and i i didn 't have any copies of it anywhere um but if you go back and you watch videos of it, they 're just crashing endlessly <laughs> in that game. Everything you touch, yeah, yeah, yeah you, yeah, crash. yeah. you hit the curb, and I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating. There are points where you hit the curb and you crash. You don't get any, you don't get any momentum going. You don't get any flow happening. Mm-hmm. Like you know, with again looking going back to takedown, you know, I'm drifting into a turn, and maybe I drift in a little too hard, and I scrape the outside <laughs> wall. Fair play, you know. If I drift in too hard and I go into oncoming traffic and nail a car, yeah, okay, I should yeah. crash. In, in Paradise, it was so well, overdone. And you you throw, in, you throw in the fact that that's happening, that your car can't take even the slightest jostle or it's going to smash. <laughs> and you throw in the fact that you're in an open world. And yeah, okay, maybe, maybe learning the city is is really important and you get rewarded for that and that's great. But the problem is is the way to learn the city is to do the racing. And well, you, you don't can't. have to do the racing.
0: You can just drive around. You can, you can unlock mm, cool stuff. You can get yeah. a chance.
1: Sure. But nobody, you know, I mean, did did anyone play it that way? I did. The first thing you did when you got into Paradise, you decided to drive around the city for two hours and learn it?
0: I I, I would absolutely drive around and explore the area because I was looking for the big jumps. I was looking for billboards to smash into. That's what you did the first time you played the game? In the first day, of course, yeah. Especially really? I really you didn't get in any races. No, I, I did. It wasn't the first thing I did, but it was one well, of okay, the first things I did. But that's what I was saying. Because it forces so, you to go do the races first anyways. It it walks exactly. you. Exactly.
1: So I mean you, 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 you take the you take the fact that it's super easy to wreck every five seconds. You're you don't know the city, you're thrown into a race, which by the way, when it came out, I know they fixed this eventually, but when it came out you couldn't leave them easily. You couldn't restart them easily. It was just a ton of crap that they threw at you that, that taken together with, with absolutely no practice was not fun. But here's the thing. Like, I'm, you're saying that you don't think I'm as, I'm as negative on this game as I sound, but I am. I am negative on this game. I really did not like it. Here's the thing. So I, I bought two copies of the game (laughs) and I, I liked the game at
2: first. I liked, uh, Paradise and, um, it was fun for a little while. I also didn't want to learn the city. Like I don't, I don't learn the city in any open world game pretty much. Uh, I can't think of one that I really, especially like an open world driving game. I just, it's just not something that I pay attention to. Um, Mm -hmm. but not only is, uh, are you able to crash into even the littlest thing, but I thought having to look down at the mini map and the way that, they yes. did things like they flashed the street name at you uh, when it's a suggested like turn that meant anything or whatever. I just, <laughs> I just uh, at a certain point got tired of that, right? Because I would always miss turns. Like I missed a ton of turns.
0: And <laughs> but that's okay. Fair, you can miss the turns and still get to where you want to go. Yeah, but you're in a race,
1: yeah. and the problem is, is that you miss the turn, and you're either going to run into something yes. and crash or you're going to be so far behind. And again, now you've got to stop because this is how the game was when you when you first bought it. Now you have to stop and sit there for a few seconds <laughs> until until it kicks you out of the race and then you have to turn around and drive back to the beginning right. of the race. But you race
0: don't again. have to do that race. The cool thing is, is if you do fail or if you kind of like quit and bail, there's a ton of stuff around you that you could do instead.
1: But I wanted to race. I'm racing. <laughs> right. But you could, there is another exactly. there's another race right there. There's race. another
0: race right there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really make up for the constant yeah, failure. I, I
2: played it again this week because it, uh, it's on backwards compatible uh, on the Xbox One X, and I was going through a tunnel, and I was on, you know, towards the edge of the tunnel, I ran into, <laughs> basically they had, like, erected a wall in the middle of the tunnel, like, on the edge of the of 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 everything, and I was like, "Why is this even here? Like, you're this is not a real road. You can design this tunnel any way you want. Why did you put a wall here, <laughs> like a five foot wall jutting out from the uh, the edge of the tunnel? Made no sense. Is it? And they they made a, lo- pos- a lot of uh, little things like that. They had like planters uh, in shortcuts or whatever. They'd have little little ramps that would jump over things, and you you'd crash on a park bench that was strategically placed, yeah. like, right where you would land. Like, and these are things that are not in takedown. Takedown is, uh, is pretty good with things. If they're putting things for you to crash into, it's in the middle of the lane, and you can very clearly see it. It's not uh, some planter that is on the side that you're going to crash into. And yeah. uh, in the few examples in takedown where it has those kinds of things, like barricades, they let you crash through them.
1: That was the big thing for me. Okay, well, and so so sorry. It's just going back to what I was saying: is that because of all that, you couldn't you couldn't get a rhythm going. And yeah, I mean, you know, if 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 open world games are your thing and you're more interested in sort of running around and learning the world and everything, that's great. But coming from coming at it as a huge fan of the series, from Burnout to Burnout, uh, Take Down and Revenge, it was a drastic change that I think they <clears throat> they just went they went a little too far with it and and I want to say too that I didn't you know looking hindsight is 2020 and I can sit here and say well they should have done it like Forza did it but of course Forza Horizon was years later I feel like they they've hit sort of what the pinnacle of open world racing games should be but I you know to expect any other company to get that right years ago was not doesn't necessarily make any sense but I'm just saying I think they I think they they went too far in that direction, mm-hmm. and and it really ripped
0: the game apart. Yeah, it is. It is very fascinating to see how divisive of a game that this is, because there are diehard fans of this game, and there's huge haters uh, as well, as evident from any time this is brought up on on Twitter. Obviously, you guys <laughs> have a very uh, you guys have a, a show dominated by people that that don't like it, but it was. You know, fascinating when I mentioned that we were going to be doing this, how many people came out in support of Burnout Paradise, many saying that it was the best racing game of all time. And um, maybe I'll need to do a little bit more digging and ask some better questions from those folks to see why they thought it, because maybe I cannot articulate it uh, perfectly. But I think one of the biggest losses from, and it made sense, they kind of had to do this is removing the the aftertouch um, feature yeah. of of the game. They kinda had to do that because Bruno Paradise, for many folks that played it, was kind of an always online game. It didn't have to be, but Every time I was booting that game up, I was playing it online. I was playing it with other people and exploring the city, and we'd meet up for races and stuff like that. That was also a huge component of why I love this game so much, is because like it would just be a blast when you know we decided, all right, we're going to be doing a a road rage. We're going to be starting here, and then like just part of the experience was like, actually first we're going to race to the starting point. We're all going to race there. So there's that. And then you can get points for that. And then we're going to go do our road rage. And then we're going to figure out what we're going to do next. Maybe we're just going to go do some big jumps or something like that, or just, you know, sure. do some crazy things with the physics and break the game. So that was a big reason why uh, I left it in an addendum to the the discussion talking about Renault three takedown is uh the after touch camera sucks. Like going back and playing it now, like how, yeah. how much like it is not putting you in the right position to actually do after touch takedowns, like it's facing the wrong direction. Yeah. Like it it doesn't allow me to even see the oncoming, you know, racers and stuff. So I meant to mention that before. I apologize for not. Um but uh obviously there was there was no crash events and um I don't know. I, 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 well, I, I don't mean to be petty, but maybe it's like maybe you guys just weren't good at the game or you didn't get in that. Fl- no, like you didn't get good. I, mean, I really think I
1: mean, I really think, you know, I mean, your, your insult aside, but we really, no, seriously, what it comes from is that we were, we were huge fans of what the game was before that. Well, right, and it was just it was a it was a completely jarring no, I think, change. I
2: think it was it was new code. That's correct for sure. And then I think there's also a difference when you come from video game journalism and having played a ton of games, and you have good taste and you know what <laughs> the game is. <laughs> no, but I you, know you okay. kind of so, you kind of start to say this game needs to respect my time. Uh, yes, and if it's not, then you know go on to the next thing. And I think, you know, there, there certainly is a thing back then you're spending $60 on a game. You're going to want to justify your purchase by playing it a lot and not necessarily talking yeah. yourself into liking it. Cause I don't think that's what this is, but you just spend a lot of time because you're invested in it. Right. Whereas having right. You come from the media, uh, and reviewing games where we would review a dozen games a month or whatever, like we just didn't approach it that same way, so I think that may be part of what's coloring our opinion on it.
0: I, I, again, I'm going to tr- try to figure out a really good way to to put this. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that game one of the special things was how how much replay value it had. Sure, like, because not oh, only not, no, not, I not only was right. there tons of stuff to do, you were always playing with friends online. But, like, they did a huge experience with the down, uh, experiment with the downloadable content where they gave you so much free stuff after the game came totally. out. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... They give you new, no, new, new areas to even, like, new parts of the city.
2: I mean, I think you can kind of look at the way games are released now where, you know, big AAA publishers want to keep people in for as long as possible. Like, that... Started to become a thing once open world games were a big thing, and uh, Burnout Paradise was part of that, you know. And you're right, there was a lot of content you could play this game for a year and not get bored because you were always setting records for uh, the roads or the races or whatever, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. there was just a ton to do, so yeah, I can totally see
1: that. I mean, I can I can totally I understand that too, and we we were on sort of, we were right in the middle of the era where everyone was pushing to make everything open world. At this point, but but I think CJ makes a really good, great point. Like you're talking about uh, Kevin, how um, you were in college around now, mm-hmm. um, you, you're you needed to make your money last, which means that you needed to make your games last. You needed to get everything you could out of them. You were very much in that in the role of that person that needs the game to be good for hundred hours you know uh in 2004 i was i was uh living with uh with my soon to be wife you know my my life was definitely changing at that point mm-hmm. um didn't have kids but still wasn't going to be sitting there for hours at a time i was also living in north carolina which you know i just moved there so didn't have a lot of people to sit and play games with and and really you know a lot of my spare time was spending time with my my future wife so i didn't have you know 10 hours to sit there a day and play and i was still on a lot of mailing lists and i was still doing some freelance work so like cj said i was you know if it's the same as i am today if a game doesn't grab me in the first couple hours i'm done you're not getting a second chance yeah you know like i i, I don't have the time where
2: were you in uh 2008 when paradise came out then were you back in canada
1: yeah me yeah and i had uh Two kids? at the- No, I had one with another one on the way. Yeah, so I mean, that's part of it, too. Like,
2: not having time for yeah. to learn the city. <laughs> like, that's, yeah.
0: you know,
1: a big part of it. Just yeah. wasn't
0: happening. Jeez, I didn't know I was talking with two rich dudes that were just buying <laughs> all these games. <laughs> no, getting all those games for free. Sealed But you look at...
2: Getting
1: all those games
0: for free. You look
2: at it like... You know, there are a lot of people who say that Destiny 2 is a terrible game, yet there are people who dump hundreds of hours into it and uh are, you know, have gotten way more value out of that game than its sixty dollar price tag. Like I think that has just kind of become what games are, uh, in a lot of respects. But you look back at Burnout Paradise and it's kind of the same thing where like, yeah, you spent sixty dollars, you're gonna want to Get every possible thing out of it that you can, and you were going to play it online because your friends are playing it. And you know, I think uh, it, it's fine that people like it. A lot of people don't like Destiny Two. <laughs> Destiny Two is a fine game. Like there are yeah, games, games like are right. PUBG and Fortnite and uh the Division that games get too. Those people are crazy. Or Rainbow Six yeah. Siege, which came out uh. and everybody was kind of uh, down on, but now it, you know what 3 years later it's still going like there's uh there's something to um building a relationship with with the gamer that's playing your game right and i think uh you know paradise did that very well and i think more games that are coming out now are doing that same kind of thing it's just just an evolution of that
0: i get two more questions for you guys before we wrap up and i and i will just quickly mention that you know from from the replies you know um you know we had great people like mohammed here Uh, multiple time guests on the show saying sorry to report but burnout paradise is the best racing game of all time uh we had folks that were also mentioning revenge as being the best burnout game which was really interesting i Uh, could see that um revenge was even more forgiving yeah and that's kind of part of my follow-up and of course we mentioned john davison who said uh, paradise is the best no question uh short simple and sweet um but so when we had burnout uh And when we had Burnout Revenge come out, of course it was on the 360 um, and it also was ported, excuse me, it was on the original Xbox and ported to the 360 as well. Uh, But it was really just almost like an expansion pack. Like it was actually using uh, some of the same stages or or tracks as Burnout 3 Takedown, I believe, and then adding in some some more features, some new mechanics to the, the racing component. And you guys didn't seem to think that was... A really good progression for the series um cj what would what direction would you have liked them to have gone in did you think they did a better job when it came to something like uh, need for speed hot pursuit or need for speed um, what was the other one need for speed most wanted that they did no they didn't do yeah they did the second most wanted yeah.
2: Uh I didn't I play so, those yeah. games actually. And I think okay. those were op- more open world driving games, right? They were. Uh I think I played the demo of one of those and just didn't uh didn't like it for a similar reason that I uh, ended up not liking um Paradise as much uh as the previous games. I I actually bought for Revenge enough. on both original Xbox and Xbox 360 and yeah, even knowing too. that it was only a minor update I wanted to, you know, play it on the new system, and uh, continue
0: playing online with uh, folks like Greg. I wish uh, either of those versions was backwards compatible, and the the one I would love to be able to play. I mean, the three hundred and sixty version of Revenge was a pretty good looking game, yeah, uh, as well as a good test ground for for them to to work on Paradise. Um, Greg, where I mean, it seems like. We're almost all in agreement. I think the the natural evolution of the series has been uh, produced with the Forza Horizon series. That seems to have really taken over kind of this genre. I mean, open world or not, like it is just an absolute. It's a it's a racing game that uh, exuberates. Uh, it, it's not very difficult to play, but it also exuberates joy. Like you just feel great playing it. They put you in like really great atmosphere. There's great music. There's um, there it there really is no penalty. Like you can always hit X and rewind if you do something wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that's why, again, I think that takedown was, was uh, so great going back and playing it again. Now I don't think I could have um, uh, really communicated this or really understood that this is why I liked it so much back when I was actually, when it was new, but um, it is the fact that it's just not a really punitive game, which is weird when you consider that it's a game all about crashing. Yeah. Um, but it is the same reason why I like the Forza games and why I generally dislike most Need for Speed games. Um, like I call out constantly when we're talking about those on Player One that uh, you know, cop chases need to die in a fire. Like it's just it's a terrible game mechanic. <laughs> All it does is ruin open world racing games in my in my opinion. Same thing with punitive crashing. Like yeah, sure, with Forza Horizon, it's not realistic that you can drive into a house and nothing happens. But it's <laughs> it's it. it lets you maintain your momentum and lets you continue to have fun. For me, that's not necessarily for everybody. Some people want, you know, major destruction. They want their cars to be destroyed and they want all that to happen and that's yeah. fine, but it's just not for well, me. Just to add on to your Forza Horizon talk
2: there. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I love about Forza Horizon, even though it's open world, it does have that uh nav line on the road that yeah, for me yes. anyway. Great point. Uh that is just opened up that series for me. Like, without that, I would be looking down at the minimap, and I just don't like that feeling of having to glance at the minimap every second or two to check my turn. And that's, you know, if if they had a nav line on the road in Paradise, I think I would have a slightly different opinion of it, but
1: it doesn't. So Right. Which, I, again, I kind of... I kind of hesitate to say that that's what could have fixed um, Paradise for me. Um, well, it I, I feel not have like a little open un- world. <laughs> if, if you're doing that, there would have been no point to have the open world at all. Well, there would have been because the, the nav line doesn't give you shortcuts. Right. That's right. It's telling you the actual route that they want you to take, but you don't have to take it. But anyway, getting back to what it's saying is that no, not not that it would ruin it, but that it 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 wasn't really a thing back then. It wasn't common. So I feel like it's a little bit unfair to say like if they had just done this thing that nobody had really come up with yeah. ten years ago, it would have fixed everything. Um, I don't think it would fix everything in Paradise anyway because it's still the crashing is still just way too frequent in yeah. that game. It's it's too sensitive. But I would love to if they came out tomorrow and said that um, Paradise will give you the option to have the the nav route on the road in this remake, I would try Sure. It. I would, too.
0: So, the best racing game of all time is CJ. CJ's <laughs> not a racing game. <laughs> I'm going to say Question mark. Uh,
2: Burnout 3 Takedown. Because... And best here's, racing game here's, of all time. here's the thing, though. And a lot of people love Burnout Paradise, and it, for, the, for them, I I, <laughs> I... I hold no ill will, because... Uh, For part of it, too, it's playing online, right? And it's the experience that you have with your friends, playing online, doing the stunt stuff, uh, going to the quarry and just, like, diving off uh, the highest jump and doing flips and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, that can be extremely fun, you know, and to just have the hours melt away doing that kind of thing or doing races. And like you were saying earlier, like, racing to the starting line with your friends, uh, that – that's huge, you know, and part of it is just you're having that experience and you remember that experience more so than uh, the game itself. So for that reason, Burnout 3 Takedown is the greatest <laughs> racing game of all time.
1: Greg. Sega For Saturn. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't pick a greatest racing game of all time, but... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm... I'm Certainly of the Burnout series, I though. would say Forza Horizon 3 right now. Uh, Forza
2: Horizon, yeah. I mean, if, if we're in the Burnout series, Burnout 3 Takedown, for sure. Uh, sure. Modern yeah. racing games,
0: I think it, Forza Horizon is okay, so solid. good. Yeah. I'm sure people are sick of hearing me say that you should get an Xbox One X, but uh, if you really like Forza Horizon 3, playing that game at 4K and 60 frames per second... It's quite an experience. Astounding, really, uh, really, really good. Um, worthy, worthy upgrade. Um, all right. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it for our discussion on Burnout Three. I didn't think we were going to talk that much about Paradise, and you know, it was probably a little bit unfair that I had no backup. But <sighs> you no, know, I can take it. I can take it because I know there's plenty of folks out there that are listening and be like those two guys that Kevin is talking to are just absolutely insane. I'm mm-hmm. going to boot up my Xbox one. I'm going to play my backwards compatible version, or I'm going to pull up my PlayStation three and i am gonna play some burnout paradise this weekend. And I hope you guys go do that. Have a blast. That's probably going to do it for, for back in my play, I believe we're going to have a, uh, a bonus Patreon segment after this. So stick around. If you're a Patreon supporter, you guys have been getting some great content. Thank you so much to all those Patreon supporters out there for helping me continue to make the show consistent uh, Means a lot, and we got a lot of really cool episodes coming up over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. But before we go, CJ, where can people learn more about your thoughts on Burnout Paradise and uh, racing games in general? <laughs>
2: By the way, I'm I'm not going to say Burnout Paradise is a bad game because I did buy two copies of it, so I didn't find it to be a bad game. It's just disappointing coming from Takedown. You at least
0: supported the development. Anyway,
2: yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Superpack, superpac s u p e r p a c, or I host the Player One podcast each week, and you can find that at PlayerOnePodcast.com.
0: I hope you guys can add a subtitle to the Player One podcast. Player One podcast quality of life (laughs) i think that should be the new tagline for the show but greg where can people learn more about you and where can they watch you stream sega rally
1: uh you can find me on twitter at uh, seward my last name s-e-w-a-r-t you can find me on twitch twitch slash seward where i where i stream every tuesday and thursday nights at 9 30 p.m eastern Uh, a lot of retro stuff on there normally and of course you can listen to me every week on the player one podcast uh, where cj hosts Um, and also you might want to check out generation 16 you want to talk about Mm -hmm. game history games that were good before kevin was born Uh, (laughs) generation (laughs) 16 will take you through the first half of the 90s in video games from the Lens of the Sega Genesis System, uh, new episode actually coming out uh, second week of March.
0: Fantastic. And also uh, Patreon support for for that as well, where you can support it on a per-episode basis, right? Yes, sir. That's, you put a ton yes, of sir. hours into that show. So if you want some fantastic Sega history video production done, make sure you're supporting Greg over at patreon.com slash generation dash 16. Nope, just Generation 16. Oh, fantastic. What a great URL. Uh, Well, thank you so much for everyone that tuned in this episode. I apologize for not being able to speak very well. It's very late for me as I now get up at like a quarter or five in the morning to work at a gym. Um, But I really appreciate it either way. And uh, we'll be back next time with I think some more PlayStation 3 type stuff. I think we might actually do part one of a part two series on 3 heroes with a game club? Because, <laughs> guys, game clubs wow. those always work out, right? Sure they do. Yeah.
1: Man, we get that Bully Game Club. <laughs> Look out.
0: Episode 400 of the Bully Game Club will be coming out mm-hmm. next week with mm-hmm. one podcast at the end. And you gotta listen after the music stops. That's what you have to do mm-hmm. if you've been missing it. Listen to the music ends. Um, Alright guys, well thank you so much and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.